Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kids Days in the Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cooper, and joining me is Solomon Cooper. And we are going to wish everybody a happy new year. Welcome to our first show of 2022. 2022. Yep. Unfortunately, we're going to have to bring some baggage from 2021 into this year because, you know, not a lot of movies have been released in 2022 yet. Yeah. In, in uh, two days, it's been... Yeah, has there been any? Has anything come out? Did anything come out in the last two days? I don't think so. No. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so either. But we do have a great show for you, jam-packed. Um, I hope we're able to cover everything that we want to uh, and we get to all the movies. So today, uh, do you want to just kind of walk us through what we're going to be discussing? The three things we're discussing? Yeah, the three things. Yeah, walk the, us through the those. The three things. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, new new Star Wars show. Very exciting, and we've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, we're going to talk about The Matrix. Resurrections. Mm, so, that was, yep. Um, <laughs> and Encanto. Encanto, the, ne- the new um, Disney animated musical, music by... Lin-Manuel Miranda. Well, I was waiting for you to say it and trying to give you oh, some, uh, I, some I, things I genuinely to say. thought you didn't know it. Because you get Lynn Miranda and Will, and you get them confused, and I just those aren't two separate people. How do I get them confused? What do you mean? No, they're not. They're not. That's not another person. I, you well, you said you get them confused. So I made it sound like there was. Well, like you get you get the names confused. So I just let you pause. So you would just like for letting me do it. No, I was pausing to let you say the name. Okay. Well, um, yeah, and it's actually shocking that like no one's has heard of that movie because it's like Disney's new. Musical, but they released it on streaming at the same time, and you didn't have to pay. Like you know how normally they release release a movie at the theater and the same time on streaming, you have to pay like twenty bucks. Yeah, they didn't do that with Encanto. Oh, yeah, it was just free. So I bet a bunch of people just thought it was a Disney Plus movie and already watched it. Mm. That's uh, sad though, because it's really good. Uh, anyway, is there any housekeeping, anything? going on in your life that we need to address before we get started or should we hop right into the book of Boba Fett? Just, I, I think we should just hop right in, Dad. Let's hop right in? Mm-hmm. 
Just hop. Just go hop, hop, hop. All right. So, um, Boing. Book of Boba Fett. Oh. <laughs> what? Boing is not even a hop word. It's like the sound a spring makes. Yeah. I guess if you had spring shoes. Yeah. Well, what right. else would a hop make? I don't know. I was preferably hoping you were going to make no sound effects at all. Well, I felt like you were just now starting to talk, so that means we just had we just don't hot hopped. Okay, so no more sound effects. Okay, fine. No, you can make sound effects the whole time. Just no more sound effects around hopping. All right, sounds good. Um, so yeah, Book of Boba Fett takes place immediately after uh, the ending of the Mandalorian season two or season three. How many seasons of Mandalorian been on? Two seasons. Two. Um, yeah. This time it is. Basically, following up on the post credit scene that you saw from The Mandalorian where Boba Fett takes the throne that once belonged to Jabba the Hutt and is now the reigning crime lord of Tatooine. Tatooine. Yep. Mm-hmm. And job, I will say personally, at least so far, that sounds so much cooler than what this show has been. That's mean. That's that's kind of hurtful, though. I mean, what? Why is it hurtful? Did your I uncle re- make the show? Is Tamora Morrison related to you? I wish that'd be so cool. Um, no, I just really liked the show. I really liked the episode. Yeah, and so everyone else I've talked to thought it was really good. I, I I do want to watch it again, and I'm not. I mean, it's still a really high, well produced, you know, Star Wars show. So it has those things going for it, but. Other than filling in a lot of backstory on how Boba Fett got out of the Sarlacc pit, how he lost his armor, you know what I mean? What he was doing between then and when we saw him again in The Mandalorian. It's it's weird because it's like prequeling a prequel, if that makes sense. No. So you already have them showing us things that we never asked to be shown, like what happened to Boba Fett's armor and you know what I mean? Who ended up with it? And then even what happened to Boba Fett and what would it be like if he was still alive? So we already had that stuff happen. And now we're going even more granular to answer even more specific questions like, well, what happened before we saw Boba Fett was still alive again and what happened to his armor and how did the armor literally get taken off of his body and how did he, every detail of how he got out of the Sarlacc pit and then every minutia of what he was doing between, you know, whenever we first saw him in the desert and then when he got out of the Sarlacc pit, you know, those like, it's just like you're filling in so many blanks that didn't need to be filled in. But, but we hadn't seen him. All we saw him was just get his armor back. I feel like it was important to see him how he how he got out of the Sarlacc. You pit. think it was important to see how he got out of the Sarlacc. Pit. I think all of that. I think all of that was very important to the episode. To the episode, sure. And well, yeah. Well, like it's not like we desperately were dying to know how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. Well, for a show that starts a pilot based on a teaser that was like over a year old now of him taking over this crime empire, what do we want to see? We want to see the continuation of that. We want to see the plot moving forward, not the plot constantly moving backwards to show us how we got to this point. We're over that. We're done with it. Are we? I am. I'm not. So I just felt like the pilot the pilot didn't give us didn't put us anywhere closer to understanding what this show is going to be about. And I also I have two other fairly large nits to pick. One is 
there's nothing neat to me about watching Boba Fett be a really nice crime boss. Like he's so nice, he's not even an anti-hero anymore. Other than the fact that he's technically working with criminals, he's not even a bad guy. Well, he's he's old now. He's like a he's like a grandfather. He just escaped from a Sarlacc pit, beat up a bunch of stormtroopers and sand people. Didn't seem like he was that old. He's not particularly the nicest man in the world. He's not like a 90-year-old person who's mellowed out, though. He's like 50. Yeah, that's how old my grandparents are. No, they're not. Yeah, they're 50. 50. No, kids always think that their grandparents are 50 in their mind. They're in their 50s. No, they aren't. They're They're 61. Some of them are 60s. And the other grandparents are 69. Nice. Um, some of them are in their 50s and some of them are in their 60s. I actually don't know how old their grandparents are. Yeah, I know you don't. Some of them are in their 50s, some of them are in their 60s. I've said this like three times. I'm None not of your husband. grandparents are in their 50s. Yes, they are. <laughs> no, they are One of them might be 59. But oh, Okay, still. the ones that are in their 50s, have they mellowed out? Have they already mellowed? No. Yes. Wait till they're 70 and 80. That's when the mellowing starts. No. Either way, Bo- Boba Fett is right now the world's nicest crime boss leader in a place that's supposed to be so cutthroat like Moss Eisley is that it just makes it kind of boring. Okay. He's always doing the nice thing. Someone's like, oh, I ratted this guy out. And he's like, oh, well, you're gone then. We will allow no ratting out of people in my crime organization. He might as well just outlaw stealing and bounty hunting and everybody just opens up artisanal grocery stores and bakeries. That's stupid, Dad. That's we're one dumb. notch away from that. No, we're not. He fought some people. And that's my second nit to pick. That's actually my nit to pick also. So this pilot episode was directed by Robert Rodriguez, who directed a fairly standout episode, I think, last season. Even though I did think the episode... Last season. Sorry. The last, yeah, last season of Mandalorian. Okay. Um. And it was the Boba Fett episode, the big reveal of Boba Fett. Mm. And I did think that episode looked pretty cheap. Um, the way that Robert Rodriguez shoots and the way that he liked to shoot on location, it felt like they were shooting on location right behind, like not on a back lot, but like in the hills behind a back lot in California. It didn't feel alien. They hadn't gone somewhere really exotic looking like they normally do in Star Wars. So that kind of lowered the production value. But action wise and choreography wise, it was amazing. You have. Boba showing up, right, with his mm-hmm. goffy stick, just bashing stormtroopers in the head, and their stormtrooper armor just kind of exploding everywhere. Yeah, like he was actually, like, breaking, which is which you don't usually see because they're usually, like, shooting lasers at them. Yeah, and they and they, they kind of did it like it was blood sp- spatter, right? Because you do, you're do you not going to do blood spatter in Star Wars, but they kind of made it like that by having these pieces of these stormtrooper armor kind of exploding outwards. Yeah. So Rodriguez comes back for the pilot of the Mandalorian, and I cannot say pilot it, of Book of Boba. Fett. Sorry, pilot of Book of Boba Fett. I cannot express to you how lame I thought the action scenes were in this. It was it was pretty lame, and it wasn't it wasn't just that the choreography felt lazy and boring and uninspired, which it did. And it's not just that the people were moving like old creaky fogies, which they were. It was also that it was so stagey and terrible in like the way that a powers ra- Power Rangers movie is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like someone would Except raise their the Power arm. Ranger movie looked better than this. Yeah, because it was like it was weird. It was like if you know that Tamara Morrison and um, what's the woman's name who plays uh, Kernick or Finnick? Kernick. Yeah. Um, 
uh, Ming Na Win. I think that's how you pronounce it. Ming Na Win. Yeah. Okay. So, and Finnick, if you remember, got a really cool arc in the and Bad Batch. They gave her a lot of bad backstory in Bad Batch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if 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 neither of them are in like fighting shape, like if you weren't able to get them to go to the Liam Neeson, you know, Mister Nobody fighting boot camp that everybody else goes to. I don't know why they can't do it. It's Star Wars and they can afford to. Mm-hmm. But if you couldn't get them to go, then use old school editing techniques. You know what I mean? Don't have them doing these really long takes where they're, it looked like they were moving in slow motion. And it wasn't even like sped up. Like everything about it was just so stagey and, and awful. Yeah. And like the seat itself was like a boring setup to a scene. Right. Like the choreography was boring even if it would have been really fast it would have still been really boring choreography yeah because wasn't it just like him holding up two shield things it was him holding up two gauntlets right no shields everyone else was just circling around him with shields so all he was doing was just blocking with his fist like he was wonder woman yeah except for wonder woman was cooler looking over and over again yeah yeah and then there's a scene where finnick does a big parkour chase scene across like the rooftops and that was so slow, it honestly looked like the hardcore parkour scene from The Office. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was like, why is she, like, slowly scrambling up this one thing just so she can jump off of it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was... Uh, they definitely should have sped that up, because it would have looked a lot better. Yeah, there's just no editing. It, it was weird. I I um I want them to not bring Rodriguez back again, if this is what he's going to do. Because even though I liked the action of the other movie, it did, the episode, it felt cheap. This... Felt kind of cheap, along with having bad action. So just get get take him away. Oh no, that's rude. Go home, Mister Rodriguez. Go back to Austin. Make Spy Kids seventeen or Shark Boy and Lava Girl four. And I don't want you messing with Star Wars no more. Uh, well, that's how that's how much my loyalty is. One great episode, I love you. One bad episode, we hate you're fired. You. Yep. <laughs> okay. You're done. Um. But yeah. So that's going to sound like all really negative. And for the most part, most of my feelings about it were negative. I'm going to watch it again um, and see if it changes. I really liked it. That the, the action scene, which is, it was the only part I didn't like, which is sad because it's Boba Fett. And I thought it would be cooler. Yeah. But overall, I think it was a positive review for me, from me. Yeah. We'll, we'll wait till next week. I mean, everything could change. These shows always do. I don't, sometimes I don't like the pilots of these Marvel shows and they grow on me. Sometimes I love the pilot and the show falls away from me. I'm sure they have a good story that they want to tell with Boba Fett. Um, and I'm sure there's a reason why they've chosen to tell a story um, besides the obvious fan serviceiness of it. Mm-hmm. But I trust John Favreau and I trust um, Filoni enough that there's a specific reason why they want to tell this story inside of this universe. You know what I mean? Because it's going to have ripple effects into the Mandalorian and probably into all the other shows that they're coming out with. Yeah. Like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Yeah, and then they have the... Ahsoka show. Ahsoka show. So, yeah. I'm really, really hoping maybe they can do some stuff with uh, with Darth Maul, but anyway. Enough um, no, uh, enough of that. En- enough about that. Okay. Yeah, overall, sure, give it a watch if you want to. It's not the worst thing on television, but... That's what you're that's you're comparing it to the worst thing on television. I would just I mean there's there's no reason not to watch it if you already have Disney Plus. It's already on there. Yeah. But if you you know, if you're really on the fence, then I would say wait until episode two comes out and that way you at least have something to see f- where it's going. But right now I just have no idea what the show's about, where it's going, what it's gonna do. Um 
it's right now it's just like, hey, what if that really cool Boba Fett guy was a really, really not scary, lamer, nicer version of Jabba the Hutt? And also he takes his helmet off all the time. And also he can't fight as good. Okay. And also he's old. All right. Well, stop. So maybe anyway. you should just maybe we should just go on to the matrix. All right, let's move on to the matrix. Do you have a sound effect for that? Hacking, hacking. Uh, whoa. <laughs> Wasn't that crazy? <laughs> that was I felt like I was in the matrix. I feel like I just jacked into the matrix again for the first time. Yeah, see the the, the robot was hacking you in. And uh that's a good entrance to this movie because Matrix Resurrections really wants to feel wants the audience to feel like they're jacking back into the Matrix again for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, all too eager to remind us that we are watching a sequel to one of the biggest movies um, that Warner Brothers has ever had. Also, all too eager to make sure that we know that Warner Brothers owns the Matrix. Yeah. Um, this is the kind of new Warner Brothers movie where being meta is supposed to be, I guess, the plot itself. And the studio thinks that if they acknowledge that they're being meta to make a cash grabby nostalgia fest movie, as long as they acknowledge it, then, then okay. it makes it really, yeah, it makes it really clever. But then they're still going to make the movie anyway yeah. and make us pay money and spend our time to watch it. So it just feels like cynical and makes me want to punch somebody in the balls. Okay. Well, don't be so mean. So fast in the review. Yeah. Do you, you think people are getting an idea of that I really liked this movie? No. I, I I didn't even like this movie very much, but I just don't like how aggressive this aura is over there. So I think going into this, I think it will be important for people to know that I didn't think about how long it had been since Solomon had seen the matrix. And I don't think he really thought about that either. I think he felt like he probably remembered a lot of the matrix. Yeah. I thought, I, cause I always saw the first movie. Right. And I was like, okay, that's enough. I know the main plot man goes into matrix dodges bullets. That's all I, that's all I remembered. So how old were you when you saw the matrix? Four, four <laughs> years old. <laughs> that's no way you're four. I was four. You were four. <laughs> I have no idea, Dad. Well, the thing is, I can understand because if you saw it even when you're, you you weren't four, but let's say if you saw it when you were eight or ten, I can understand all the stuff that went over your head wouldn't really matter because all you're focused on is all the cool fighting, right? And the yeah. cool special, the slow motion, the special effects, and whatever. Mm-hmm. So it makes total sense to me why you would think you. Why do I need to watch the other one again? And I also just didn't think about it either. You seemed like you knew what it was. You were excited about the new movie, so I, yeah, we didn't watch it again. Um, and I've seen the original Matrix hundreds of times, so I didn't need to watch it again. This um, was a mistake. Yes. <laughs> this was 100% a mistake. I've never been so much confusion in my head. I've ever been. It I sounded like you were confusion in your head just now when you are talking. I know. I, I've never been so confused in my life. Like, I've had confusing movies be less confusing than this supposed to be not confusing movie. Yeah, because I didn't think the plot of this Matrix, compared to how how much the last two Matrix movies slithered right up their own buttholes, this movie wasn't that confusing to me. I thought it was fairly straightforward. But if you don't remember anything about what the Matrix is about, and just so you guys know, and gals, um, don't. Don't make it worse for me. 
Why? I've just got to tell people the truth. I know what you're going to say. This podcast is about the truth. Okay. And if people can't come here for the truth, where can they go? Why do they need to know the truth about me? They just, I just so that they know why the way you're discussing the movie. Okay. Why you're so confused. So one of the things Solomon was really confused about was um, kind of a big plot point, which is who is Trinity? Dad. He didn't remember who Trinity was. I asked that while we were in the car on the way to Matrix. Halfway through the movie, he did want to confirm that Keanu Reeves was in fact Neo because he wanted to make sure he wasn't getting that confused. Uh, you weren't. But okay. the fact that you were confused about it, I just think people should know that's how much you didn't remember about the Matrix. I had no, I didn't even know Trinity was in the movie. Yeah, see? I literally only knew that Keanu Reeves was in the Matrix. Yeah. And, and, and. Morpheus? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So this is what we were <laughs> dealing with. Um, but it doesn't really matter that you didn't understand the movie. I mean, you probably would have been less lost feeling and less, well, maybe less tired feeling. Um, but. It wasn't that confusing of a plot, I didn't think. I really, when it first opened, I was like, oh, they've actually found a really fun way of getting us back into the Matrix. Because it opens with the classic scene of the Matrix where Trinity kicks a lot of ass and just destroys all these cops by herself and then runs around walls. I mean, that's remember it was being mind-blowing when I saw it at the theater for the first time. Nobody had seen action like this. When Agent Smith is like, no, your men are already dead. You're like, oh, man, what is she going to do? And then it's... So much cooler than what you're expecting. So anyway, yeah. there, there's two hackers that are hacked into the Matrix from the outside world that are watching the scene unfold. And they're like, why are the programs doing this again? And they're like, yeah, but it's something's off about it. And you know some. Well, Solomon didn't because he didn't know who Trinity was. But you could tell something was off about it because, A, Agent Smith is now being played by a different character who's also black. And Trinity's being played by a different character, very obviously. But they film it just... It's just close enough that you think maybe it's supposed to be Carrie Ann Moss, but then it's definitely not. Um, a bunch of things happen different in the scene. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. See, so, so you didn't know what was happening. You didn't know who these people were. I or remember no the scene. idea what the scene was. I knew that Agent Smith was off, though. Okay. Did you just call him Aids and Smith? Yes. That's how much that's how I feel about this movie. <laughs> Aids. <laughs> um, but... And from there, they basically uncover that agent, this Agent Smith is actually a new version of Morpheus. Yeah, his code was just inside of... Agent Smith, like he's hidden there, yeah, inside he, of Agent Smith code. Mm -hmm. But hidden even deeper, not inside of Agent Kiss Smith code inside of a Matrix, inside of the Agent Smith code inside of a video game called The Matrix that Neo has been making because in this new universe, Neo is a... Video game developer. The biggest video game developer in the world, famous because he made the Matrix trilogy of video games, which has the exact same plot as the Matrix trilogy of movies. Now, he's very clearly inside the Matrix because we did see him get out of the Matrix before. We also saw him die at the end of Matrix 3 with Trinity. So we know he's in the Matrix. Like, there's no, there's no wondering whether or not he's in the Matrix again. But the movie takes way too long to catch up with what we already know. You know what I mean? I didn't know. You didn't know. You just thought they started the whole movie, but you didn't. You didn't remember anything about the movies. Yeah. So how would you know? I. You didn't I, even know who Trinity was. I had no idea. Barely knew who Neo was. I. Yeah. Do you even know what the Matrix is? It's, no, genuinely. Well, give me on. a quick plot synopsis of what the Matrix is. Not really a plot synopsis. I'm just joking. 
what this like, is a call, callback joke. The Matrix. What is the Matrix as a construct? It's like VR, but mm. if you die in the game, you die in real life. Okay, a little bit more specific. Um, what's the purpose of the Matrix? Why does it exist? Who made it? To tr- to power to the machines. What? I just need to. Can you more? I mean more. Because to they, power the machines, the you didn't hu- give any contextual the humans, sentences. The humans created energy that powered the machines. What does that do to do the Matrix? They the machines needed it, and that they need they created the Matrix so that the humans could live in there, live in like their normal their regular lives, but still charge it. But then they couldn't like they had to use their. Energy. <laughs> I think you have it. You have it mostly. Okay, you understand vaguely what the Matrix is. See, I know my stuff. So, um, so yeah, you know that Neo's in the Matrix, and he's into some kind of new rebooted fantasy of it where he is now a fantasy is the wrong word because he seems very unhappy being the world's fam- most famous millionaire or famous uh well, he is a millionaire but most famous game designer yep um so yeah apparently he coded inside of one of his matrix games uh inside of agent smith's code he coded a secret morpheus code yeah and these hackers break the morpheus code out of the video game version of the matrix and into the matrix proper so far, am I right? Am I on track? Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. So I think so. From there, the movie. Uh, oh, they also introduce uh, Neo's creative partner, or Mister Thomas Anderson's uh, creative partner, um, who's played by Jonathan Groff, who is also playing the real new Agent Smith. Do you know? Do you guys know who Jonathan Groff is? Do y'all? Well, let me tell no, you. No. Tell us. See, look, I, mm-hmm, I knew it. He is in Hamilton, and he's the king. That's the right, British king. He's all, and it's funny because in the in Hamilton, he's like this hammy, petulant man child, and he's very hilarious. But I only knew him from Mindhunter, which is a very, very dark show where he's a cop that interviews serial killers and kind of. That's not. That's kind not of, my Jonathan Groff. Yeah, well, it is. Can't say it's not your Jonathan Groff. He's not Spider Man. He's an actual person. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so Jonathan Groff is playing um, Agent Smith. And here's where the first bit of idiocy starts with this movie. Uh, okay. So they there's actually a good explanation of why Morpheus isn't played by Lawrence Fishburne and why he's a different character, right? What is that? And it is that he's in the video game character, right? Mm-hmm. So, and performance-wise, I think that it's uh, Abu uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen. Wasn't he in Candyman? Yeah, recently? he was in Candyman. Yeah. So he's he's good. He does a good job. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense why he's played by a different actor and why he's younger and whatever, right? Because he's supposed to be a video game version of Morpheus that was hidden inside of this code. And it came out. Now in the Matrix, and now he has to do his Morpheus job, which is to get Neo, Neo out, out of, of the, the Matrix. Matrix. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's the neatest, tidiest plot, but at least it makes sense why it's played by a different actor. Um, with Agent Smith, the reason is a lot more simple. There was scheduling conflicts. I mean, it could have been that um, you know Hugo Weaving 
just said, no, I'm not going to be in this stupid movie. But the official reason was there was scheduling conflicts and they were just not able to make it work with their schedules. Right. I'm going to take them at face value and just say it was scheduling conflicts. Right. That's what they told me. I believe them. However, scheduling conflicts isn't a plot reason. So there's just no plot reason at all why he's played by a different actor. So it's really weird to have this huge amount of explanation on why one character isn't played by the same actor and looks totally different and zero explanation whatsoever for the other character. Yeah. I mean, and they even, they even invented this new technology that is supposed to be why nobody's been able to find Neo. And it's because they make him look different in every time they reset the matrix so that nobody can recognize him. So he still looks like Keanu Reeves to himself, but to everybody else, he looks like a old bald man or some homeless guy who feeds pigeons. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I didn't even understand that what that meant. Yeah. It was kind of dumb. So this is the, the most technologically advanced system in the universe. And these hackers are so sophisticated, but the only way that they recognize Neo is by like what he looks like. They don't, there's not like some kind of code thing that they can look at. No, nope. They're just like, oh no, that's a fat bald guy. That can't be Neo. <laughs> well, I I wouldn't recognize him. Yeah, that's just a dumb way. I mean, you couldn't even that wouldn't even fool like a Russian mob boss. People try to do that all the time. Somehow they're gonna find you. You get all the plastic surgery, you add scars, all kinds of things. Someone's going to knock you out with a hammer and, you know, take some DNA. Blammo. You're dead. Well, how are they going to take DNA in the Matrix? Well, th- the point is that there should be some kind of code version of it. Okay. So anyway, they, they invent this whole dumb thing about why they can't recognize Neo or blah, 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 blah. And then they don't even use that as an explanation of why Agent Smith would be different. Of course, it doesn't make any sense why Agent Smith would be different. But anyway... Look, we go through every little plot detail in this movie. We're going to be here all day giving this movie more credit than and time than it deserves. Um, needless to say, the movie starts spinning. I don't even want to say uh, it's. I don't even want to say it's going off the rails because it happens so quickly and so um, early in the movie. So I would say. What flew off a cliff? The bridge was out. You know what's what's a good metaphor for what happens in this movie whenever they start going really meta with it really early on? I'm not one with metaphors, man. No, I think that you should give us a good metaphor. A good metaphor? Yeah. It was like a snowman melting. That's okay. a simile because I said like a snowman melting. I just said it happened really quickly and very early. No. No, because snowmen in Texas, they melt fast. In Texas, you can't build one. Well, you used to. All right. I'll give you a, fear. I'll give you a pass on the doing the metaphors. I did it, though. But yes, it, it poops the bed. Let's say it poops the bed really early in the slumber party. Like before anybody's even going to bed, it went into your bed. <laughs> and pooped And, and pooped there. Okay. <laughs> right when the hors d'oeuvres are being served. I want my metaphor to be even longer and more convoluted than yours. Mine was like three words. Um, yeah, so pretty early in the movie, they start explaining that he's made these three Matrix movies. They just start showing all the scenes from the Matrix again. 
And then they have a scene where the executive brings Neo in and says, hey, you know how you said you'd only make three Matrix movies and you wouldn't make any more ever again? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm going to have need you to go ahead and make another Matrix movie. and he, Or Matrix, sorry, game. Yeah, my I, bad. I don't want this very, very subtle metaphor inside of the movie to get lost. So he's like, but sorry, you're going to have to make another game. He's like, no, I'm not making one. I already told you the story's over. I'm never making another one. I promised myself I would, and I have nothing else to say. And he's like, well, our parent studio, Warner Brothers, <laughs> they say it. <laughs> they say it. They're like, they, uh, they want you to make it. And he's like, it's in my contract. They can't make me do it. And he's like, yeah, but if you read the fine print, technically they can just do it without you. And if they just do it without you, then they're probably going to ruin it even worse. So what do you want? Do you want the Warner Brothers to just make it without you as the creator of the Matrix? Or do you want to go ahead and make it even though you know it's a cynical cash grab? This is the movie telling us what it is. This is Lana Wachowski telling us why she's making this movie. And I'd like to believe that it wasn't so cynical that she set out to make a crappy movie and maybe this was just left in there as her way of, you know, raging, you know, against the machine, screaming desperately into the face of the Tempest, knowing it's not going to do anything, but hopefully at least thought that they were going to try and do their best. Nothing about the movie that comes after this gives me any indication of anybody in any universe trying to do their best. Okay. What? Do you disagree? No. <laughs> that's, that's all you have to say? <laughs> I don't. I, I just, it just feels mean and I just don't like saying mean things. I'm sure they were. I'm sure, I'm sure. What's, I'm not, not going to say Neo. Keanu Reeves? Yeah, Keanu Reeves. I can't believe it, but he doesn't name. I love Keanu Reeves. Um, I'm sure Keanu Reeves was doing his best. There was not any point you think where he went to set and was like, I noticed that you don't have me doing any fighting. All I'm doing is doing this push thing with my hands. Just so you know, that makes it sound too cool. He's not pushing people like you would push an old lady in front of a bus or something. That would be neat. He doesn't touch them. He, he fights everybody by not touching them. He literally force pushes them. Yeah, but the way he does it, it looks like he's like a televangelist that's about to lay hands on somebody, but then they just flew across the room before he could get there. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And it's shocking to me because he literally did three John Wick movies. He has one that's already shot. So he he's definitely in shape and knows how to do choreography. Wait, they shot another one? Yeah, he got Fourth pushed one? to this year now, that's 2022. awesome. I'm so excited. They'll probably be making John Wick movies until Keanu Reeves can't move anymore. That's That's the best news I've ever heard. Uh, back be, to this movie, be though. Like James Bond. No, back to this movie. We can't go talk about John Wick now. It'll be too exciting, and then we won't want to talk about this anymore. Okay, fine. So, yeah. So, they get Neo back out of the Matrix. Sorry, I'm kind of jumping around. They get Neo out of the Matrix after he gets forced to... Oh, sorry. Rewind. Oh, my God. In this horrible meta scene where they're talking about the contract negotiations, and Lana Wachowski basically explains why they're doing it. There's another horrible scene of all the writers 
trying to define what made the original Matrix trilogy so special. And some people are like, it's all about the philosophy. And some people are like, oh, it's because it's a trans allegory. And some people are like, no, it's because of this. And this douchey guy with this punchable face, I don't know who the actor is, I did not recognize him, but he plays a douchebag, it's his character. He might he might as well be called douchebag number three. Yeah. He's like, no, what it's all about is bullet time, baby. People want more bullet time. And then the movie proceeds. That's true. To make bullet time an actual key plot element to the movie, which we'll get into in a second, um, and make it 100% less cool and uglier. I thought it was cool and was not ugly. Less cool and uglier, I would say, could be the motto of this movie. Yeah. Matrix Resurrections, less cool and way more ugly. Yeah, that's what they should put on there, on the poster. So, yeah, they get you out of the Matrix. They go to uh, not Zion. But Io, the new city, um, it's exactly like Zion, except for way less cool and uglier. Yeah. It's overly bright, even though it's still underground. Um, it's just really lame, boring-looking CGI backspaces. Um, like a lot of the movie, there's some cool ideas peppered in there. They basically show that after Neo sacrificed himself, sacrificed himself, and made a truce with the machines. Um, the machines, some of the mas- machines defected and came to work with the humans. Right? Yeah. Did you think that was a cool idea? Mm-hmm. Um, of course. I, th- I love machines being nice. <laughs> so also apparently 60 years have passed and Niobe is now an old lady. So it's Jada Pinkett Smith in old lady makeup. Yep. Um, Solomon, again, doesn't have much commentary on this because he doesn't remember any of this, and he never saw the Matrix sequels. Yep. Um, and they don't really give us a good explanation of why they moved it 60 years in the future, except for to kind of maybe gloss over why there was no other characters that were still alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because Neo doesn't look the same, and they they are all trying to figure out why he didn't age, and it has something to do with the pods and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Science... Fiction mumbo jumbo. So instead, the only surviving person from the original trilogy outside in the real world is Jada Pinkett Smith, who's now in horrible old lady makeup. Also kind of a jerk. Nothing about IO seems better except for the machines and the programs, which is one of the other things. I was going to say, aren't you going to talk about the machines? Yeah. So everything I say really is going to have the same tagline on it. So with the programs specifically, not the machines, but the programs the sentient programs like Agent Smith was or, you know, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. the ones that wanted to defect and join the humans. I thought that well, they came up with a really clever concept of basically these little magnetic nanoballs or whatever. They're not nano because they're not that small, but let's just call them like nanobots, right? And they're magnetic and they can drop from these little things in the ceiling and they can form into like a humanoid shape so they can walk around and physically exist. What yeah, I have a, I have a thing that they remind me of. What? Y'all know the thing from Big Hero 6 that he makes? Uh-uh. You don't. I don't remember. I haven't seen that in a long time. Well, I love Big Hero Six, and I saw that a, not even. I saw it a long time too. Also, but he makes these little mini robots that the, the guy likes. And it's like the big, the whole plot of the whole movie. So I would assume that you would know them. Um, and that's exactly what they're like. And so that's a good idea. That's how you can see them in your head. There you go. They're not nano balls. All right. For anybody who saw Big Hero Six recently, think about the little ball things and that where they all join together and they join together to make shapes or what? Yeah. Okay. Yep. 
So it's exactly the same, except for they're made like little, they look like little diamonds. Well, in this, they join together to make like a human person kind of shape. And that makes it to where they can work in labs with people and they can actually physically pick things up. Yeah. I imagine they can't fall in love. I don't know how having relations would work, but they can, you know, do part of what people can do in the real world. Yeah. Um, I guess for that part, the human could just jack into the matrix, right? Like sometimes hmm, that'd be an interesting relationship. But it seems like it would be much better for the machine and the human to be in the Matrix because the real world still seems sucky. Just so you know, in the 60 years since they've been eating that slop in the Matrix, guess what the one thing is they managed to perfect? What? You you can just tell them. No, I don't. Tell me. A strawberry. Oh, yeah. That's right. 60 years of working directly with the machines and the programs, the most advanced life forms that enslaved all of humanity and created the Matrix— the most advanced thing that they have invented is a strawberry. <laughs> okay. I completely forgot that they made those strawberries. So this is an example of what the movie does when it thinks it's being deep. It says, you know what? Humanity isn't about cool action scenes or neat spaceships or whatever. Humanity is about the look on an old lady's face when she bites into a juice ripe strawberry, juicy ripe strawberry. And, you know, maybe that is true. You know, it also is boring. <laughs> no, I thought that was that was a beautiful scene that I definitely 100% remembered. That's how powerful <laughs> it was. Look, I, look I'm not going to lie. Whenever I heard they were making a new Matrix movie, I stood up, I pointed at the TV, and I said, if some old lady doesn't eat a strawberry in this movie, I will walk out of the theater. Yeah, I remember that. And by golly, they gave me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I remember that. You were right next to me, and I was like, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I was weeping, and I was cheering. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful um, moment. So, yeah, skip forward, blah, blah, blah. A bunch more movie stuff happens. They run, inject themselves back into the Matrix to save Trinity, who Neo keeps running into in the Matrix in his old life as a game programmer, but she goes by the name of Tiffany now, and she has a husband named Chad because the movie's very, very on the nose. And she has two kids that are really spoiled. She has, to, she has to drive to soccer practice. This movie seems really, really down on people who have two kids and have to drive them to soccer practice. It's literally torture to her. So anyway, they jump in and you find out the whole plot. Oh, I forgot to even mention, Neil Patrick Harris is in this movie and he's been in it the whole time. Dear God, Dad, you're skipping all around this confusing movie, which is probably making it way more confusing for these listeners. Neil Patrick Harris plays Neo's therapist. In the Matrix. And he's telling him that his delusions of the Matrix were just that. Delusions. And he gives him a blue pill. Remember blue pills? That's what you choose to stay in the Matrix. So he gives him a bunch of those every day that he has to take. So at this point, they're back in the Matrix to find Trinity and save her. Get her to take a, blue, take her a red pill. Not a blue pill. But they find out that the therapist is really a person called the Analyst. And the Analyst took Neo and... Trinity's bodies when they died got permission from the other machines to do some experiments and rebuild their bodies so that they would be back alive because he's found that they create a huge amount of energy levels when they're together. Right. Mm -hmm. So what he did, what, but if they get too close together, they just, they break out. of. The they room. always end up breaking out. They become yeah. too powerful. So he has, wants to make, he gets permission to make a side matrix where he keeps them really close inside the matrix and in real life but they never can be together because they're programmed 
to not be able to. Her having kids and being named Tiffany, he's programmed to hate women named Tiffany. Actually, that's not true. He's always hitting on her. It's weird because she has kids and a husband, and he seems to give zero Fs about that at all. I wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, your morality. Her husband's name name is Chad. (laughs) Still. No one wants to date a Chad. But she's married to one. He's clearly abusive. (laughs) Yeah, they really, like, go so far over the top with trying to make it nothing. You hate Chad. But anyway, so now we find out that um, basically it's not, and this this honestly is not the thing about the movie that bothered me, even though I'm going to say it as if it's really stupid. If the rest of the movie would have been good, I would have been fine with them going this hokey because I like a lot of sincerity, and I like I think the original Matrix had a lot of sincerity in its love story and its you know story in general. Yeah. But this is where we find out that Neil Patrick Harris can use super bullet time by the way, he calls it bullet time, even though bullet time was just what audiences and critics and filmmakers called the technique that they made to show how yeah. fast Neo but was they, moving. But they call it bullet time in in the Matrix. No, they don't. They call it bullet time in this movie because it's so meta because it thinks it's so, so clever. Yeah. But they never call it bullet time in the Matrix. Well, I'm not saying that one. I'm saying in this one. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is idiotic. Like they did not, It wasn't just Neil Patrick Harris, though. That wasn't what my point was. I'm just saying. Like, You're already confused again. You're just confused uh, with us even talking about the movie. You're right. But they call it bullet time. I already said that. We talked about bullet time earlier. Yeah, when... I know. But like, it, it, it makes sense that he's calling it bullet time. Okay, that is what I said. Okay, what did you say? It's dumb that the movie is talking about bullet time in general. Oh, at all? Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't say it doesn't make sense that Neil Patrick Harris is saying it. That other guy already said it. Yeah. It's just stupid. Bullet time is just a technical term for the effect that they used to make it look like Neo was moving really fast by actually slowing him down, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the first times that that had been done. It's to show somebody going fast. They actually show it in slow motion. And every, every single movie that uses, it's about speed or speedsters, the flash, you know, Quicksilver, they all have used that same basic effect, right? Yeah. Um, But in this movie... They keep acting like it's Neo's big power is called bullet time. It's annoying. It drove me up the wall. So Neil Patrick Harris has super bullet time. So I'll let Solomon explain how this works since he felt like I explained that so poorly. And since Solomon actually, A, likes the way this effect looks, and B, thinks it's cool, I will once again say they took bullet time and made it less cool and uglier. But go ahead. Mount your defense. Okay, here's the thing. I don't really know how it works, but I did think it was cool. He was like, he clicked a button, I guess, that made it to No, where he doesn't it, click a button. He just activates it with his mind. It's like, it's, it's his superpower, basically. Oh, he just, he just does it? Yeah. Well, he does it. He clicks a button in his brain um, to activate it. And then now he's, he stopped everyone. He by slowed his, them down. Yeah. He slowed them down by like reversing the way bullet time works or something like that. I don't really know. I don't understand it, how it works at all. But how I, is it cool, and how does it look good? I thought it looked cool. It, it, Describe it, to me how it looks. His his body was kind of like blurry whenever he'd move around. Oh, blurry, smudgy actors are tight. But it, <laughs> you can't use other things. Yeah, I still some other some other person's catchphrase. You're not allowed to do that. If Ryan George ever listens to this and gets mad at me, then. 
Well, then I know that we're doing really, really well because Ryan George is listening to us and well, getting we should, mad. You should tell him. We love you. We'll watch all of your Anyway, so all he's, your he's all smudgy and blurry. Yeah, he looks blurry, so it looks really cool because bullet time already kind of looks like that. It looks kind of like weird, like, blurs and, like, shoo, the bullets. Um, no, it doesn't. Yes. But okay. Whatever. Um, and I think it looks really cool. I don't know how it looks ugly. Too bad you weren't defending OJ that day. I know. You're right. I bet I could have... Kept him <laughs> out of jail. <laughs> oh, my God. No, that's the opposite point. No, this looks terrible. So basically what they do with bullet time is they make it to where, um, yeah, Neil Patrick Harris can slow everybody down, and then he just races between them. So they just take bullet time and do the opposite with it, yeah, which is what everybody was doing before bullet time was invented, and the reason nobody does it anymore is because it looks like crap. He just is like smearing around the screen with this weird shuddery effect. It looks awful, it looks awful, awful. Really cool. And just so you know, I really liked it. This bullet time is used three or four times in the movie, and let me tell you how many of them are action scenes. Zero. That's imagine true. reinventing bullet time just to have really ugly slow motion smeary dialogue exposition scenes. Well, that's what you need. That's what you need it for. It was so bad. It's all, that, why, why else would Neil Patrick Harris use reverse bullet time? Why would they even invent that? Why would they invent? Why would they uncool something that was cool? It was cool, Dad. So anyway, we're now towards the end of the movie. It's a big giant thing. Neo and Trinity, they she realizes that she's not uh, Trinity anymore in a really uh, hilarious scene. Where Chad's like, come on, Tiffany, and grabs her arm. He's like, Tiffany, we have to go. And then Trinity's like, my name's not, my name's Trinity. I always hated that Tiffany name. And get your hands off me, Chad. She called me, she said, don't call me Tiffany. I hate that name. And it was like, (laughs) boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. Um, And then she kicks him in the face. And uh, then all these ma. Oh, and then Neil Patrick Harris activates his second superpower. So instead of having agents that just they're... take over different people, he has something called swarm mode, where mm-hmm. he just takes over all the people in the matrix at, in his matrix at once, yeah. and they're like zombies. This creates a situation where Lana Wachowski doesn't have to do any fight choreography ever for the whole movie because everyone is just. Zombies and they just attack you like zombies. I don't even know what they do when they find you because they didn't show if they were biting them or whatever, but it looks like it's not good. Um, so yeah, they're just swarms of people swarming all over the place. And then Matrix, the Matrix, Neo and Trinity get close enough, too close, like Neil Patrick Harris warned us, and it causes a big explosion. Mm-hmm. And then they get on a motorcycle and they drive through a bunch of uh, back lots at the Warner Brothers studio, which are so cheap that they just filled them with fog so they didn't have to populate them with enough with very many extras. And Neo force pushes a bunch of cars. A bunch of cars and he force pushes a bunch of zombies. Again, no fighting, no hand to hand combat, nobody gets punched, no cool gung fu, nothing. Force push, force push all the way through the end of the movie. And then they jump off of a building and um now then, guess what? Yeah, and guess what? Trinity can fly now. Trinity can fly now. Not in a Neo. huge twist. Neo wasn't flying. It was only Trinity. Only Trinity. And that's when you realize that Neo wasn't the one. Trinity wasn't the one. 
It was their love that was the the one. one. Yeah. And you know, their love being the one wouldn't have made me so annoyed had everything leading up to that reveal not been so god-awful. Yeah, it wasn't very good, the movie. It was ugly, man. It was, I, liked- I, I really can't express how ugly it was. The CGI parts were ugly. Oh, we didn't even mention the fact that the machines that they have working with them, they're not the cool, scary squids and spider things that we've seen in the Matrix. No. Yeah, I thought you were going to bring that up earlier. Yeah, they're anthropomorphic Pokemon-looking robots. They're cute. I love exactly. them. Exactly. They're, they're cute robots. It would have been a lot cooler, though, if they were, like, blue squid machines. Yeah, like their eyes just change color or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, they were still red. They're like red. There's like a big, fat, cute red one with big eyes. No, one of them was blue. The blue one, I was about to say, the blue one literally looks exactly like the dragon from How to Train Your Dragon, except for made out of metal. I thought it looked like... And then a manta ray when he's flying around. But his face looks like... Yeah, I thought he looked exactly like a um, a fully evolved Piplup from Pokemon. So, yeah. It's really, that was just a bizarre design choice. But yeah, everything is lit terribly. In the Matrix, gone is the green tint and the film grain and all of that stuff. Um, Don't worry, you'll still see it because they show hundreds and hundreds of clips of the original movies throughout this movie. It's very annoying. It's very jarring. I've never seen anybody do it. I've never seen anybody do it this badly. They want to remind you that you're watching the Matrix. That's Apparently, that's what they want to do. They want to remind you that you're watching The Matrix. And you even probably watched the whole Matrix, the whole first Matrix movie through that movie. Through this movie when they showed in clips? Mm-hmm. The, the, the parts where they were showing clips to remind us who the characters that were getting played by new actors were was driving me so insane. They already told us that Jonathan Groff is Agent Smith. He's already called himself Agent Smith. And they're still, every single time he's like yelling at him, they'll... Sh- cut and show like a scene of Hugo Weaving's Agent Smith yelling at him just to be like, hey, remember, this is the same guy. This is that guy. And they do it over and over and over again. One of many ugly... So there, we have ugly editing. Uh, We have... The lighting is horrendous in the Matrix. There's no style when they're actually in the Matrix whatsoever. The cinematography is lame. There's absolutely no fight choreography. It's just chaos. It's absolutely just chaos. It's so bad. Um, let's see when they go out into Zion or EO, IO, IO, um, everything also, the actors are all lit in this really weird, flat, bright way, which causes them to have to light the CGI sets around them in a CGI flat, bright way. So not cool, boring. Also, all they do at IO is get yelled at. This is just a quick recap. All they do is get yelled at by old lady, JD Piggott Smith and eat a strawberry. That's the only thing that happens there. And then they leave. Yep. Um, and then there's a horrible anticlimactic fight scene, and then the movie's over. Sounds like a great movie. Yep. And you're left wondering why they did this to us. Warner Bros. Yep, Warner Bros. And you know what? They told us they were doing it while they were doing it, as if that gives as if that's us giving consent for them to make it. But I guess we did state the theater. Yep. On the plus side, we got to see the Alamo Draft House, and I got to drink a lot of Velvet Hammers, and I never get to do that anymore. So that was fun. You talked about that movie for too long. I'm we, tired now. We did. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. I had a lot of negative things to say about it. It was annoying to me. It deeply annoyed me. I didn't really want to talk about it. I want to talk about another movie where I could actually like have thoughts. But since you're Solomon, Solomon is having some personal problems today. 
And I don't think we should keep him in the studio any longer. I want to keep going. No, we're at, we're actually at time. So I, I think we're going to need to save Encanto for next time. But we already said we are going to talk about it, Dad. But and what look, if our I, audience is used to us saying we're going to talk about it. What time are we at? How much time? We're at 55. That's, that's, we have five more minutes then. We're not talking, you want to, you really want to shortchange Encanto by talking about it for five minutes? We haven't even given our ratings of the Matrix yet. God. There's going to be a twist ending here about how high I'm going to score it. I'm so sad because I, I wanted you to stop talking about the Matrix so I wouldn't want to go to bed. And now all I wanted <laughs> to do was talk about Encanto because I actually had a lot of things to say about it and I really liked it. And now I'm going to forget all about it next week. You have your show podcast. notes still and we'll still do it. I'll make sure we talk about Encanto next time. You better make sure. Encanto, by the way, is a really good Disney movie, so I highly recommend everybody watch it. It's on Disney Plus, and you can watch it at the theater. So I recommend everybody go see it. We're giving you a full week to watch this great movie. It's called Encanto. It's really fun. It's The music is all made by Lin-Manuel Miranda's, who made Hamilton and In the Heights. And it's a new Disney movie, so you should just go watch it because it's great. Yeah, okay, so. It's about family. I love family. I agree. Go, I'll go watch it. So now what's your final rating for, for The Matrix? I'm going to give it like a, f- a four out of ten bullet times. So you're going to make it all about bullet time. It's also. All about bullet time. I just said bullet times. Well, I'm going to give it a three. You're giving it a higher review than me and I didn't even. What did you give it? Four. Or three low, is not a higher I'm review. A, I'm in a lower review. I give it a three out of ten strawberries. Nice. And boy, was it a ugh. I want a strawberry. Or was it a raspberry? I just I like raspberries. I had a strawberry yesterday. They were good. No okay. wonder that old lady was so happy about it. That fake old lady. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um. I like how we just petered out this podcast, just like that movie petered out. Yeah, I think that was. I think that's an accurate way to end it. Do you want to give the? All right, oh, I'll do it. Um, follow us on Kid in the Pick on Instagram and um, on RogueMediaNetwork.com. Until yeah. next time. Maybe we're in the Matrix, Dad. Oh, God, I hope not. Make sure you subscribe. Follow us on Kid Stays in the Picture on Instagram or follow us on RogueMediaNetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.